This is episode 129 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and thanks so much for joining me today. Today's jam is a challenging one for me to introduce because we covered so much. I mean, how do you capture that in just this blurb? But I'll do my best. Mike Vardy, a friend and fellow productivity teacher, joins me for today's jam, and we discuss the power of defaults, theming your week, how to use creative slash focus blocks, and how effective scheduling, planning, and decision-making is really about being kind to yourself. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Alrighty, Creative Giants, I'm pumped to introduce you to Mike Vardy. I've known him for quite a while. If you don't know him, I think you're really going to like him. Mike Vardy is a writer, productivity strategist, and the founder of Productivityist. He has served as the managing editor at Lifehack and contributed articles on productivity to 99U, Lifehacker, The Next Web, Success Magazine, and The Huffington Post. Mike is also the author of several books and is the creator of The Now Year Method, a simple, durable, and flexible personal productivity approach. He has delivered talks on the topic of task and time management at events like New Media Expo, TEDx Victoria, South by Southwest, and Creative Life. He lives in Victoria, BC, Canada, with his incredible wife, daughter, and son. And fast fact, he's a uh, recovering comedian and used to be a door greeter at Costco. That, that's part of the, um, you'll, you'll hear more about that in the show. So I'm really excited about this. It's going to be fun. Mike, my man, thanks so much for joining me today. We always have these fun conversations. And, you know, we started like, we, I think we always do this. Like, we have this whole, like, 20-minute conversation about stuff before we hit record. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, we should probably hit record. We should just, you know, when we're in, when we when we get together, we should just have like a camera crew that follows us or an audio crew. And it's like I've been reading the Undoing Project, which is the book about Kahneman and Tversky that Michael Lewis wrote. And I'm like, we're those guys. Like we're them when it comes to productivity. We'll sit yeah. in the room and just talk for hours, and people go, "What are they laughing? About? What are they talking about?" Well, I mean, I think the the fun thing about it is, um, you know, there there are a lot of similarities between us. One is that. Um, Productivity should be fun, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be this like cranking down and, and like beating yourself up to make yourself do something, right? So like having having some lightheartedness with it goes a long way. Um, but also what makes productivity funny, we were talking about this, is just the knots we tie ourselves up into, right? Yeah. And, and like you see it in yourself and you're like, wow, I've been an idiot for the last two hours or two weeks or two months or eight years. Right. Um, but you also see it in other people, I'm not laughing at them, but it's like, wow, humans are such strange creatures. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because we can put, that's why we put these frameworks in place is to kind of keep us in check, but we don't want to make them too rigid because if they're too rigid, then it's not fun. So you have to find this nice, this nice harmony between them. And, and, that's the that's the challenging part, but it's also fun because you can play within it. It's funny. Um, I was just talking to my um, my editor today about working out, and that's something I want to get back into more and more. But I need I'm not a guy that can put that on my task list. It needs to be scheduled in because it's it's something I won't do because I don't enjoy doing it. But I know that in the past when I've done it consistently, I've gotten into it. But 
then that, that part of my brain that goes, oh, well, you could take it off your calendar now because you enjoy doing it. I know damn well that that's not going to happen. So I had to, uh, you know, I, I rejigged my, my workout schedule to kind of fit what goes on with my family and all that stuff. And so it's, it's, it's always like, it, it's, it's, it's a fascinating puzzle, but it's, it's a, it's, it's still a, it's still a puzzle. And, uh, that's why I love playing with, with, with it in terms of with other people talking to people like you and just within my own head. I think it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to do. Yeah. And when you get to a certain point of doing, of, of being a practicing um, productivity person and especially a teacher, like, and I'm sure you're this way, I'm like, I'm always experimenting with things. I'm like, mm-hmm. what happens if I take that off my schedule? What happens if yeah. I put it on my schedule? What happens if I decide to change my schedule and invert it? What happens if I decide to write all of my posts longhand and then type them? <laughs> like, there's all these sorts of things where you're always trying. And I think that's where people find, I think that's where I find the fun, but that's also where I find the learnings. Because, um, you know, I think you and I have talked about this last year. I, um, I'm a morning person. We'll talk about this in a second. But I've said, mm-hmm. you know what? Conceptually, conceptually, and you know where this is going to go, Mike. Mm-hmm. Conceptually, if I did most of my meetings in the morning, then I would have more open time in the afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. And I also have enough Eastern time clients where, you know, I'm in Pacific time, so it can come to just sometimes like one or two blocks where, you know, there's a big thing. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. It was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, it predictably terrible, right? But it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, this is an assumption that I have. And, and I didn't approach it like, this is going to be terrible and I'm going to try it anyways. It's more like, a, let's see what happens. And, um, you know, just the reality was, is I figured out the, the unexpected thing was that I was, um, I did not have sufficient end of day boundaries. Um, and so when I inverted my day and my creative work was at the end, I was working until nine, 10 o'clock at night, but I was also getting up at, you know, five thirty and six. Right. And see, I'm the other way. I need to have my meetings in the morning because I'm a, I'm a night owl. So my mornings are kind of like, I'm still in that uptick, right? Where, and by having my coaching calls and my meetings in the morning, I'm feeding off the energy of others. And I'm on the West coast too, as you know. So the Easter, it works better for my clients on the East coast. Cause they're like, but for them, it's like noon, you know, one o'clock and I'm, I'm just getting going. And by the time I'm done that, so say from 1 PM onward, I'm now able to do the things that, you know, like the writing, like the planning, like all the big deep stuff. And so it's interesting. I did, I tried it the other way too. I tried, you know, I should be, I mean, I fell into that fallacy of, oh, you need to be a morning person. And so I tried it for a while and I failed because my body's just not wired that way. And you're right. When you experiment, when you play with this stuff, you get a sense of what works, what doesn't. And then, then you drill down even further. Okay. Well, we know that this is the bigger, broader picture of what works. What about within that? And then within that, and then within that, and you get to the nitty gritty of it. Yeah, you get to the nitty gritty of it. And, and the funny thing about it is, is that um, you have to be careful when you teach and write about productivity because you can get really gritty. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, crap. I was not a part of the, the six years prior to this conversation. Well, or, or they feel that you're becoming too, that they, they feel like you're too robotic about it. It's, there's no, there's no spontaneity. Like I've had people say, well, why do you frame your days and, and, and and use time theming and stuff like that? They said, what about spontaneity? I'm like, well, the spot, the freedom lives within that. I mean, Casey Neistat, who I know, you know, Mm -hmm. he's the, you know, he did that, that, um, that video called fat and lazy or lazy and fat, something like that, where he talked about how he schedules his day and he 
did dominoes to do this. And he had a white domino for free time. And then when you looked at his entire day, he had no white dominoes in there. And he said, because free time is the enemy of progress. He said, it's not like you shouldn't have time to do what you want to do, but you should do what you really want to do in that time instead of leaving it open for interpretation. Well, see, and that's this duality that we live in, right? Where, um, I can look at my schedule sometimes and I'll, I'll see like, wow, I have that in there and I have that in there and I have that in there. And it just looks like a bunch of stuff on the schedule. And I'm like, okay, settle down, settle down. There's yep. a lot going on there. And so and the thing that I tell myself is, wait a second, when I get there, I'm going to enjoy each and every one of those meetings. Mm-hmm. When I get there, like I have chosen the things that I love to do. Yeah. Right. And so don't get caught in this like, oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff to do. It's like, just understand that you have made this predecision about these activities. And on the other hand, I know, um, let me put it this way. When you, when you were in this work and you're talking about productivity and creativity and things like that, like there's not one size that fits all. That's part of the challenge. Right. And there's not mm-hmm. one size that fits all for one person at one time because we're organic creatures that change and, and things like that. There are some people out there that um, they really thrive on having large blocks of unplanned time um, just with no real agenda and things like that. I am not one of those people. Yeah, me neither. Um, Because I will fritter away a day like or three or 18, right? Yep. (laughs) Like that because I'm like, well, but you know, like there's always something to do. Like, you know, I can mess with the printer or I can do this other thing. And yet there are other people who at the same time can't breathe and feel like they're, they're being suffocated by a schedule that has everything that's on there. Right. And and you know, what's interesting is that you and I probably read a lot of articles. I know I have where it's like schedule everything, like every task, the the, the smallest detail. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. No, no. The thing is, is that like the most successful people do that. And I, again, I call BS on that because I mean, heck, even Richard Branson called BS on that when it was written about him. He's like, no, I have a to-do list. He goes, I don't keep, what the calendar needs to do is offer you that kind of that guide, you know, that overarching. So when I look at my calendar and I see that today is writing day, I don't go, I don't like list every single thing that I'm going to write in my calendar. I then go to my to-do list, which says, here are the things that you could write today. And it gives you that freedom so that you can breathe that flexibility because the last thing you want to do, and the reason that we get to personalize our productivity is because that way it fits within who we are and how we operate. That's why, again, I'm, I do my best work in the later part of the day. You do your best work in the early part of the day. If we can personalize it, we're going to be way more productive. And the, one of the worst things that can happen is when you try to fit how you operate inside someone else's way of operating or you are forced to do that, like in companies where they say, hey, you know what, we need this first thing. And some people suck at mornings in meetings and some people suck at working later hours. But imagine if you could say, hey, you know what, why don't you work later in the day? Because I know that's when you're better. And why don't you work earlier in the day? You would see so much more productivity from organizations if they started to adopt the idea that personally investing in people's productivity is better than saying, Hey, everybody, we are just going to do this and this is how we work. And that's the end of that's end of story. Yeah. This is the way this is the, yeah. and I mean, on that same note, like what if we break the tyranny of, you know, 60, 55, 40 hours and say, you know what? 36 hours, 30 hours. That's, that's what we're going to do. You can work during these times and people are, I know there are people in organizations and leaders are listening. They're like, that would be pandemonium. Really? 
really like with this in the day and age where we have like obviously meetings, you're going to have to find convergent times of the day where most people can meet. But like the 8 a.m. meeting um, is one of the most ineffective meetings, right? I cannot like like when people ask me to facilitate meeting, like, well, we could do it first thing. I'm like, well, I think we need these to be around 10. Especially the right. a. 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 Monday morning meeting. Oh, because the worst, because you've just come off of a weekend. It's like, hey, there's going to be a bunch of stuff piled up for you, but let's add more to that. Let's delay how you can attack that pile and add more to it before you get to tackle it. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why can't you do like a Monday at two? Right? Yeah. Let like, people come and, and adjust and, and remember that they have the business suit on. And like answer the emails that's nagging at them and answer like, and come to the meeting prepared, mm-hmm. right? Rather than first thing, like you're, you're running late because your kids forgot, you know, the binky or they forgot something. And then you're all rushed and hurried. Then everybody's like, you got the one person that's got to catch the one or two or 18 people that you got to catch in, uh, catch up to what's happened. It's just ineffective. Yep. Yeah. And meetings, it's funny. The thing is, is I'm not against meetings in general. In fact, I mean, and there's some productivity uh, hierarchical strategies out there like holacracy that you're doing more meetings than you would ever imagine doing, but they're targeted. They're focused. They're smaller circles of people as opposed to having the, (laughs) I remember when I worked at Costco and we had the status meeting, the Monday status meeting. It wasn't first thing in the morning. I think it was around 10 once we opened. But it was every department in the building. And if you've been to a Costco, I, I got to tell you that the person that runs the hot dog stand does not necessarily need to know what the person that's running the computer department is doing. It's just not something that needs to be done. But we would do it every Monday. And I would be sitting there. And there would be occasionally like, you know, the old knock at the door. Hey, can so-and-so come? Like there would be constant interruptions because it was ineffective. And I think one warehouse manager in, in my building finally decided, you know, we need to have these structured differently. He did away with the status meeting and said, we're going to have a meeting between these departments and these departments. And he kind of went with a holocratic method before holacracy even existed. And it worked much better. But yeah, organizations need to get they need to figure out a way to have a framework that they can have people thrive within as opposed to feeling like they're just surviving within it. Yeah. You know, I coming from in the military, like there are a lot of meetings and planning sessions and things like that, but you learn like, you know, if you're the commander of a 219 person unit, like not every person is at a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. Right. No. Um, there are some things that everybody needs to see. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And those universally are short. Yes. They are universally short, right? Yep. Um, you come together, you'll say something, seven minutes is too long, right? Yep. You'll say what you need to say, people go back to work. For all the rest of it, you bring different leaders in and, and different things like that, right? And I think um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm you know, we've, I was thinking about this this morning because um, we've done a lot of experimentation with our team meetings. Um, we meet every other week now. And mm-hmm. we meet for 40 minutes. Um, why 40? Long enough to get it in. Not so long that it becomes a general group team discussion things that should be broken out. So it just is a sweet spot for us, right? Right. Um, it also happens that 40 minutes is about the limit where Angela starts getting pissed, right? And so <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good break point there, right? Um, but I was thinking like, okay, so why do we do these meetings? What, what, are, we, what are we talking about in there? So on and so forth. Um, I'm going to take a slightly different direction. I think because 
the universally bad meetings that we've experienced, not universally, we've experienced way more bad meetings than we have good meetings. Yeah. yeah. And then once we created people and entrepreneurs go off on our own, we're like, I'm not sitting through another freaking meeting again in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, What happens is we forget that um, when you have effective meetings that are short, they're actually a social bonding experience. Yep. Right. And if you don't have those meetings, your team doesn't bond. Right. We don't bond very well over text. Right. No, no, no. You just don't. Right. And so I was like, you know, that's when I asked the team, like, do we need to have more team meetings or less team meetings or what's going on there? Like, what would happen? The one question is, what would happen if we just didn't? Um, almost everyone says, but I'd miss like seeing the other people yeah. and, and hearing them. And, you know, we start our team meetings with a joke. Mm hmm. We do. It's our intentional opening. It's normally a corny joke, like, you know, whatever. So, that you, so, you, so you tell it. No, I don't tell it. Because <laughs> right? then it's just not funny. Right? Right. <laughs> um, it would be a statement if I started this, right? <laughs> so other people tell the is joke. Is that a riddle, Charlie, that you're telling? Or is it <laughs> yeah, it's like, was that supposed to be funny? Like, are we being punked here? <laughs> right? And so, no, other people ask the joke. Uh, <laughs> Um, but that's just the way we start. And I, you know, I've thought about different ways and different reasons we start the way, but I love starting with it that way because it breaks the mood and it gets people like, again, it can be fun, right? If we can get together, have a good time, talk about the winning that we're doing, um, and what we, what else we need to do and then get off and get back to work. Um, See, see, we have a, we have a meeting here at the house and we call it the effing meeting. Uh, I'm not a fan of meetings generally. Um, but they are important. And the fact that I have one with, it's just me and my wife and we call it the effing meeting because we discussed three F's, 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 <laughs> F's, uh, food, finance, family. Mm-hmm. So what we do during this meeting is every Monday. Um, and we have it later in the day, uh, cause it just makes the most sense to have it on that day. I think we used to have it on Thursdays, but it's just, it, we didn't know when grocery shopping was going to happen, all that stuff. But what we do is we sit back and we say, okay, um, what's going on financially. So we look at our finances and then we plan our meals for the whole week. So that way it's all set. So if we decide, if we decide we're going to go up for dinner, then we generally decide at that meeting. Okay. So like I could tell you this Saturday, we are going up for dinner. Uh, two reasons. Number one, and it's interesting because we looked at the finance first. We're like, Oh, we have these coupons for, for this chicken restaurant. Well, they expire on the 31st of this month. So we're going to use it this Saturday. So we do Finance, food, and then we talk about family stuff. So, hey, what basketball practices does your does Grace have? What do we have doctor's appointments? What other things? And what happens is during that experience, like you said, it becomes a bonding experience of like we're, we're managing the household, number one. But number two, and what a lot of people don't get is that when we have these meetings, it means that when Ann and I go out on a date or watch a movie, we're we're immersed in that experience as opposed to, Oh, Hey, by the way, did you do this? Or, Oh, Hey, what about this? Or, Hey, did you pay that bill? Like it becomes, we, we isolate the time. So that way we can dedicate it to what's important in that given moment. Yeah. So that's the funny, um, the funny thing about it, I call it strategic mindfulness. Of course I would. Right. Um, where it's like you decide in advance where you're going to be. So you can be exactly there 100% of the time. Absolutely. Right. And it's strategic because you're planning it out. You're thinking through different things, but when you're there, it's like you can be at the movie. And if that little niggling, like, Oh, we, we need to get, you know, um, we need to get new cleats for grace. Right. Mm -hmm. If that pops up, you're like, Oh, wait a second. I could talk about that Monday. Yeah, <laughs> right? and I, I'll quickly capture it, get it out of my head and be back in the moment. Yeah, rather than be like that. And so, um, 
weird diversion here, and we're going to keep this one short because of different <laughs> reasons. When, when you don't make space for conversations, when you don't make space for community, they find their space, and it's normally disruptive. It's normally, um, it, it's normally um, just very disruptive and intense, right? Yeah. So whether we're talking about in a business that's one case. If you talk about in a family, that's another case. If you talk about a, a body politic, right? If you're yep. not making space for conversations, they will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they will not happen in, in a way that, um, that is calm and reserved and anything like that. They'll, yep. they'll, they'll happen on their own. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to fill listeners in on one thing that, that you mentioned twice, um, I'll try to be brief about it. So you've mentioned um, daily theming or theming your yep. days, right? Yep. The basic idea here is you take a particular day and you say, that day is the day I'll do my writing. That's the day I'll do my planning, recording, admin, whatever that is. Now, um, I've heard Mike talk about this a lot. So, um, and, it's, and it's a great framework. The, the thing is, it's not that you spend all day planning. No. It's not that you spend all day writing. It's just that when you wake up in the morning, you have a default about what's going to happen that day, just like what we're talking about. That's the bridge here. Just like when you have that family meeting, you have a default where these things can happen. Mm-hmm. And that, I, you know, setting yourself up as a creative person to have defaults is incredibly liberating because all of the conscious decision-making that you have, like, is the day to day that I write or when do I do admin or when does this happen or when should I record? I'll just leave it all set up or whatever. Like it, it makes it so that you wake up in the morning and you know, one, what you're doing that day, roughly, right? You have a default Two, if you theme your days and your weeks correctly, you know that there's a time and space for everything. So you don't get that sort of, spasmodic, creative, like I got to do everything right now, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, that's tomorrow, right? You make a note of it, you capture it. And then when it's tomorrow, you look and say, oh, that thing, now it's time to do that thing. Yeah. And the, and the other great thing is I know, uh, speaking of like projects and finishing is, is one of the things that I do is I have monthly themes as well. So what that does is everything funnels your focus, right? So for example, if today is my writing day, I'm like, well, what do I write about? Well, what's my monthly theme? Oh, it's coaching. Well, then I should work on the coaching sales page, or maybe I'm going to work on a, a, a one page that I can give to a client or whatever. So it funnels that focus. So to your, to, to what you do, Charlie, we talk about finishing, it gives you that 30, like you can really funnel that focus down to like, Oh, it's audio video day today. Well, what audio video? Oh, I should work towards audio video towards coaching. Does that mean I'm going to do? And then you have that creativity. Like one of the things I did, which I didn't expect to do was one day I had a client and he said, you know, what would be really helpful is if I had like, like, the basic points of what you need me to do as an audio program, as I drove into work every day. And I'm like, that's great. I'll do that. Now, old Mike, like from years ago, would have recorded it and mentioned the person's name in it. And like, it would have made it like just the one, but because I had the time and the space to think about it, and I knew that it wasn't going to happen for another few days. I said, well, wait a minute. I don't want this to be just for this person. I want it to be for every, so then it doesn't just become something I do every single time for somebody, it becomes one thing that I can say, Hey, if you, if you buy this thing, or if you're a client, you'll get this automatically. And so it gives you that space to be really creative and deliberate about it, both with what you're going to actually do during that day, but also what you're going to do within the confines of that task and that project. Yeah. Pro tip here, like all of our planners were, that was their Genesis actually, Mm. right? Email triage, our oldest program, that was the genesis, right, yeah. uh, of clients saying, like, 
um, because email at the time was such a problem for so many people. And um, though I do a lot of project and strategy execution work, it got to a point where it was so noisy that they could not think and they mm-hmm. couldn't get anything else done. Yep. And so I'm like, you know what? We're going to sit down and we're going to go through your email step by step. And we're going to do it for 30 minutes and you're going to feel a lot better. Right. And I did that enough because it was just that type of problem. And I was like, wait a second, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> right. It's called the definition of insanity to certain people. <laughs> well, yeah. No but, uh, no, but that's why you realize, like, it's like, oh, this, this is dumb. I should just do it and have it ready for people. Like, like easy bake oven kind of stuff where they can just do it. Yeah. People don't need to pay me hundreds of dollars for this. Right. No. Um, not that it's not that it's less than our time together, but there's another way. Right. Yeah. 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 So it, the thing, and the other thing is what I love about the idea of theming your days is that if you don't get it done on that day, you already have a default in place for that. So sometimes like, Sometimes I do audio work not on Wednesdays because I get an interview or something happened and I must record something, but it becomes the exception rather than the rule. So actually, uh, this week I had to do an extra recording that I didn't expect to do. It took up, what, 15 minutes extra of my time that would not have normally fallen on that day, but then everything else falls to that Wednesday. So it's, it's deliberately delaying or as Rory Vaden might call it, procrastinating on purpose, right? So that's another thing. Instead of moving things to the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow and watching that pile up, you could say, oh, I didn't get this. I got the essential audio video work done today and now I'm moving on to next week. Yeah. And so here, here's the blend of, of our different frameworks here. So if you've ever tried um, our momentum planners on the website, you know, I talk a lot about creative blocks or focus blocks. I use this yep. interchangeably. Yep. I'm starting to use focus blocks more because I recognize the dual meaning of creative block. That's not, not useful. Right. Mm. Um, only after many years of teaching it. Right. Um, so focus blocks. So what you can do is say, okay, I know that my focus blocks, I have two of them in the morning because I'm a morning person and it's writing day. Okay, that means all you're writing is you chunk it down to what you can do during those two focus blocks. Mm -hmm. Now, why that gets super interesting is it is a natural check against the um, general overcommitment that we have, right? And you know, I mean, most of us know what we can get done in 90 to 120 minutes of focus time. We just do. Most of us, a lot of people, I should say, struggle with what they can do in a day, right? Turns out what you can do in a day usually two or three focus blocks worth of work. Right? Yeah. Um, that's really what it amounts to. So it gives us, it gives you a way. And if, if you really want to think about it, when we do the monthly planning on say the monthly momentum planning, that is theming the month in a certain way. That's telling you the broad projects that you're doing that then you can slice down so that when it's Tuesday and writing day, um, you know, you have two blocks that Tuesday on writing day, you know what project you're working on, your major writing project you're working on, you know, the heavy lifting of your morning planning is done mm-hmm. in advance. Yep. Um, and so that leaves all of that mental power and all that creative power on just doing the work and being creative and explorative in that work. Not yeah, to run and, up. And, and, the, and the great thing is, is if you do that in advance and you trust it, then when, when the weird things that pop up that could derail you, you, you look back at the person that planned that out no, it's you and said, okay, that person was much wiser, had much more at that, at much more um, of their wits about them when they did this versus me right now. I should listen to that person because that person had my best interests at heart. By the way, that person is still you. It's just you in a better space. And really what we're talking about here, and this is why 
if we if you follow productivity practices, you know, in a way that matters to you, you you can really wind up and you and I go to the World Domination Summit every year we've been there is one of the things Chris talked about this past year was about being kind. And ultimately, if you if you have a framework in place that works for you and you adhere to it and you're being kind to yourself. And when you're kind to yourself, you're going to treat yourself and your work way better, way better than, and your time too. Absolutely. Um, I would want to throw an adjective on that kindness. There's just sort of this fierce kindness that you can have. You can be fierce about the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You can be you can be forward in the saddle, as they say in some circles, right? Sure. About what you're going to do. But just like you were saying that, you know, that past version of Charlie that planned this had my best interest in the heart um, was, you know, he, he did this when he was feeling happy and confident. He did this when he was well-nourished. Um, that's probably better than me in this moment of hangriness, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But we can also say, you know what, that Charlie did not know that I was going to be sick today. He could Mm -hmm. not have known that. That Charlie did not know that this thing happened in the world, right? Um, And I appreciate that, Charlie. And this Charlie has to account for this and know that, um, know know the going on. And so that's where you can get that kindness, right? Because you don't put a straitjacket on yourself. We're not robots, right? Mm -hmm. Time doesn't, you know, reality has this very frustrating way of not doing what we want it to do. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's interesting when you know, I had somebody, we were talking about this before we started recording about like, do I change my theme day when I'm sick? Absolutely not. And the reason you don't is because your brain needs to have something to tether onto consistently. It needs to have that consistency there. Now what you could do, and I've talked, you and I've talked about mode-based work before is categorize your tasks. Like you've got those focus blocks. Well, focus on low energy work during those blocks or the brain dead stuff that you were talking about early on, like the, the fiddling with like, okay, I'm going to update my Facebook profile photo today because you know, I can, I I have the mental bandwidth to do that. But the key is, is if you have this stuff deliberately captured and you know that that's where you're going to look, you're not going to go off and, you know, spend hours doing something that you shouldn't be doing no matter whether you're sick or, or healthy. And the worst thing you can do is when you're sick is do is to do absolutely nothing at all. Like, I mean, in some cases you do, I get that. But if you're like, you're homesick and got a cold, find some low energy things that you can do. I mean, if you're going to watch TV and you're sick, watch something that's going to nourish you. Like, you know, watch, I mean, one of the things I did when I was sick is I watched the minimalism documentary that was on there because mm-hmm. you know I, there are a bunch of friends in it that I knew, but also it's like, Hey, I can learn some stuff. So, you know, don't be afraid to play with that stuff, but also don't, Again, by being kind to yourself, sometimes that means, hey, you know what? I'm going to do a few little piddly things here. So that way, when I go to work tomorrow and I'm not sick, I don't have, you know, another pile that's been piled on top of it. So these kind of things give you foresight and forethought. And that's the best. I mean, that's that moves you forward. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. I, I agree with you. I One thing I see, though, Mike, is that there's such a pressure to constantly be doing something. Fair point. That, that I want to say, like, if you're sick... Like be sick, like recover, like be intentional about that. Nourish yourself, right? The worst thing that you can do is get caught in, and we do this unintentionally sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Where you get caught between work and rest or work and play, where you're not really working, but you're not really resting and playing either. You're just kind of in that really frustrating ground. And you look to the end of the day and you're like, you know, I felt terrible today. I didn't really get anything done. And I didn't really like nourish and take care of myself. Yeah. Right. You're way better in that case. Like if you know that you can't work and mm-hmm. I want to be clear here, 
um, there are many days where um, I wish I were a bricklayer. And I know people who are like, yeah, people who've <laughs> never done a, been a bricklayer would say that. I've laid brick, right? I've, I've hung sheetrock. I've done those types there of things. Are day, there are days where I miss being a door greeter at Costco. Yeah. Now, to be <laughs> get clear, he's saying door greeter, not dork reader. Right? Yeah, we, we've used these. We've we had this before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so inside joke. But yeah, um, because you can show up. Like, if you're not feeling it that day, you can actually show up and... and you know, lay brick, or you can be a door greeter, right? You can do these different types of things, right? Um, but with creative work, sometimes you just can't, mm-hmm. you just can't, right? Yep. Um, now you can sit and you can bang, you can sit down and say, you know, I cannot write, I cannot write, I cannot write, I cannot write, which some people will say, if you do that long enough, you'll actually kick in the gear. Sure. Right. That might happen. But what I would, what I at least want to make space for is that if your day goes sideways, for whatever reason, sick kid, sick you, family member, um, you know, political disruption, whatever that is. I don't want you to look at that day as if it were like business as usual. Yeah. Right? I, I think to clarify, I think the important thing to know for me, what I'm saying here is that if the day gets derailed, don't consider the day's theme a failure. Exactly. That's ex- that's, it's just an anomaly along the way. And being sick is an anomaly. Now, I know when I worked for Costco for a long period of time is eventually I got sick a lot. And, I'm like, and that, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, why am I getting sick a lot? That's when journaling really can help too, right? It's like, okay, I'm sick way more than I ever was before there must be some underlying problem here. Let me look at that. But if it's an anomaly, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think that, that you need to make sure that you take care of yourself. But the one of the best ways you can take care of yourself is to say, hey, you know what? The theme didn't work today. We'll try it again next week. Yeah, we'll try it again next week and never give up and maintain curious. And, and you know, I've done this because um, before, you know, you were talking about theme. I was like, oh yeah, that's what I've been doing, right? Um, I'm like, well, like Tuesday is recording day. Today is mm-hmm. Tuesday. We're recording, right? Um, but I realized that, wait a second, Tuesday is also when the garbage trucks run. Yep. That doesn't make sense. Like those two are incompatible. Yep. Maybe I need to shift <laughs> so that recording day is Thursday when yep. there are not trucks outside. And, and you know what? I did the same thing when my son was, um, so when my son wasn't in school, Wednesday was daddy duty day and Friday was recording day. Well, once he went to, once, this is about a year and a half ago now, um, once he went to school, I said, okay, well, daddy duty day is no longer required. I'm going to make Wednesday. I can't remember what it was. I think it was deep work day or something like that. Friday was recording day. I get to Friday and I'd be exhausted. I'm like, why am I so tired? I'm like, well, crap. It's because I never, I haven't had to work five days in a row for five years. And, and the other thing was, is that there were some weeks where the kids would be home on a Friday. I'm like, oh yeah, it's a pro D day for holidays and pro D days happen on Mondays and Fridays. So all I did was I said, you know what? Audio day is going to be on Wednesday and that's just audio video day. No one will ever be home. My wife isn't home that day. The kids aren't. That's what works. So I just, and all I had to do was swap the two theme days and then the tasks followed. Exactly. Because you're in flow, right? And yep. that's why for, that's why Monday and Friday are swing days for me, right? Yep. Um, their management days in the sense yeah, where that's where I'm looking at. I'm looking at that, but Friday are sort of filler or catch days because I know as a speaker, when are you going to be traveling? Yeah. Well, Monday and Friday. So mm-hmm. if you plan on a consistent, having consistent work happen on Monday and Friday, you're setting yourself up for failure. 
Right. Yeah, actually, Monday and Friday for me are Monday's admin, Friday's deep work. And deep work can be like reading. And, and again, if I'm traveling on a plane, I'll be doing some deep work because I'll be reading. I'll be doing some kind of writing. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't take into account either, Charlie, is that they, they look at what they can't do during a day as opposed to what they can. So airplane mode is a great example of that. People go, oh man, I, I've put my phone in airplane mode. That means I can't get messages. I can't check Twitter. I can't do this. Yeah, but what can you do now with because your phone? No one can reach you, so therefore you can do focused work. Therefore, you can read, you can write, you can. So think about how that kind of thing. Think about what you can do versus what you can't, and it changes your relationship with that stuff as well. Absolutely, and just on email or just the general flood of notifications that we get. One of the things that stresses people out is that by the time you're finished with an email, especially if it's one of substance, like two more have come in. Yep. Right. And you never feel like you're getting done. Right. That's normal. Um, however, if you're on airplane mode and you download all your mail and you respond and it goes offline and all those types of things, guess what? You get a lot of satisfaction because you actually see that pile going down, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people get a lot of email done on airplanes. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, or, or in the, like what I'll do is I've got a tool. I use Newton for mail. I reply to a lot of emails in the evening, but I date them to go out the next morning because yep. then I create boundaries that say Mike's because that way they assume I'm checking the email in the morning. I'm, it's probably like 10 at night when I'm doing that because I'm done my, like I'm kind of going winding down my day. So that's when I'll do it, but I'm certainly not going to send you an email at 10 at night. Because then you're going to, the subtext in that email isn't just the, the message itself, but it's like, oh, Mike sent a message at 10 p.m. That means I can email him at 10 p.m. and he'll be checking email. Like it just creates a subconscious thing. So you could, you, you don't have to play within the rules of the clock all the time if you've got the tools in play to keep you, to, to, to allow you not to do that. And, and there's lots of little tools and tricks that help you do that. But you should, if you run the day, then the day, you know, that's the key. You want to be running the day because otherwise the day is going to run you. That's uh, Jim Rohn said that once and it's totally true. Absolutely. Well, and so, you know, we're, I'm looking at the time because unfortunately Mike has to go and this happens to us every time. Mike. Yep. Like, yep. um, so what I want to say is we've mentioned briefly the night owl thing, right? Yep. And here's the thing. If you, if you've been hanging around here, around here and I've talked about like, Everything you know, basically, what we're saying. If your high energy, your high sort of deep work energy time is in the evening, lean into that. Right mm -hmm. now, by the time you say, "Okay, what's the theme of the day?" Okay, you've got that as a as a structure. You've got how many focus blocks do I have for this for this particular day, given everything else going on? That gives you another default. You have this other default about when you when it's best to do that type of work, right? It's best to do your focus blocks when you can focus, right? And if you're a night owl, that's probably going to be in the evening, right? Yep. Um, at different parts of the day. It allows you to sort of put these pieces together without it always like, we don't want every day where you wake up that it's like scheduling gymnastics, no. right? It's like, oh, well, I got to do this twist and turn and then this has to happen. This has to happen. Like you're worn out by the time you get started, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and just saying with these defaults in place, you can start to see like, these are the patterns by which my work flows. Um, Mike, you know, I'm really big on displacement in the sense of like, if you've got two focus blocks, if you understand that and lean into that, that actually gives you a lot of power when it comes to commitments. For instance, yeah. um, Mike and I were considering running a one day thing in February. Mm -hmm. 
well, good things happened on Mike's side. He had a very successful launch of his course. You know, other things happened on my side. And I started looking on my side of the schedule and saying, how many focus blocks do I have available? Do I have room for this new project? Yeah. And the answer was I did not. Right. Um, And so, you know, we, we talked about it and just said, you know what, we don't have time for this. And I'm so glad we did because we would be like super stressed, right. Trying to make it happen. And then all these other things going on. So that constraint of how much folk, how many focus blocks do I actually have? What are they pre-committed to? um, Gives you a lot of freedom and confidence so that when you say yes to someone, they can trust that and you can trust that. Yeah. And it didn't take much convincing when you email me, you're like, I'm like, I'm like, good. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I mean, I've got my now your calendar up on my wall and I'm like, I looked at it and I could see, okay, it, it, it wouldn't be done. And that's the thing is that if you want to do something, you want to do it well. And I, you mean, we could have slapped something together, but we would, we would have known we would have slapped it together and that's not how we wanted to do it. And so I mean, it's, it's important that, again, when you look at all the stuff, you end up being kinder to yourself. You end up saying, you know, I'm not going to do this thing because it doesn't make sense right now. And we've talked about doing something a little bit later. And who knows? We could end up talking about that when we're, we, and, you know, we say, yep, yeah, let's go for it. Or, you know what? No, we, got, we, we can't do it this time either. It's not like it's off the table. It's just, I mean, and that's the thing is a lot of people have a hard time saying no. If you have a hard time saying no, um, look at what you've already got in your plate. Like, like make that, like you want to do something well, you're going to have to say no to more things than you say yes to. And just saying no doesn't necessarily mean never. It just means in most cases, not right now. When we said we weren't going to do this, it's not like we said, we're never going to do this. We we're going to at some point, but when, when that point arrives, we'll figure that out. Yeah. And importantly, as I started thinking about this, I was like, you know, I'm going to feel really crappy in this project about the way that I'm going to be able to show up with. Mm-hmm. And the relationship is more important than the project. Yes. Right. And, you know, I've been in projects and I'm sure you have Mike where we, um, someone committed way too early. Right. Yep. And someone didn't back out when they needed to. Yep. And you walk away from that project with a hurt relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's the worst thing because this is fun. Like we want to continue to do this. And Absolutely. Is, right. And so that's what I was thinking. And I think that's the important bit is that that kindness is not just kindness to yourself. It's kind to the people around you, even though it seems I'm thinking of Brene Brown's video on, um, I'd have to link to it. It was on Facebook. Um, but you know, what she experienced is the most kind people were the most boundaried people. Yep. Right. Yep. Because you can show up against strategic mindfulness. You can show up and say, you know what? I have created the space and time for this activity, mm-hmm. for this person, for this experience. And that's what matters now. An hour from now, there'll be another experience. Yep. And that's what matters then. And I can be there. And I don't always have to be thinking in, in your head and in, in my head about this. It's like you're where you need to be. You have those defaults. You have those containers you can be there. You can be kind and open. And, and the, the great thing is, is if you're kind to yourself and you're kind to others, you actually wind up being kind to yourself by being kind to others. It's like this weird reciprocal default that you don't expect. It's like, you know, it's when I, when people work with me and I say, go into serving mode and self-serving mode, they're like, what's self-serving mode? I'm like, it's when you do your stuff. And they're like, but what about what other people need? I'm like, if you do self-serving mode, right, you're serving others. Maybe not right away, but definitely down the line. Yeah. And that's what I experienced when I, when I flipped my schedule, right. The, the remembrance was 
when I make that time to do what I need to do in the morning, I'm completely 100% open for everything else. Yep. Um, when I'm not, then I get super frustrated. You know, Mike, we do this every time and I enjoy our conversations every time. So I know one way or the other, this is just one of many that will unfold in time <laughs> as they do. Thanks so much for, for um, coming and talking about theming and, um, you know, leaning into night owl stuff and, and everything in between. Um, as the guest for today's jam, though, you get to leave our listeners with an invitation or a challenge. Some people really like invitation. Other people like challenge. Take whatever you want to. What would you invite or challenge our listeners to do based upon what we've talked about from this call? I would invite and challenge uh, your listeners today, the listeners out there, to theme their weeks, is to work their week and figure out how they can theme their days. There's an easy way to do it. Um, maybe what we could do is uh, I could actually give you a link and it'll help people with that. It'll be in the show notes. Productivityist.com slash creative giant. That's what we'll do. And it'll help people do that because there's such power behind it. It'll help you funnel your focus and, and finish more often uh, the, the things you really want to get done and move forward in a way that that is really going to boost your personal productivity and boost your life in general, create some harmony. So that's my invitation and challenge. Go to that link and uh, I'll help you do that. All right, Mike, thanks so much. We'll be talking here in a couple of weeks in another place and another time. Looking forward yep. to that. Yep. Um, but until next time, we just really appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, Creative Giant. So you heard it from Mike. How might you go and start theming your day so that you create these defaults that support your creativity, that support your presence, and that support you in getting the stuff that matters done? You'll have the link at productivious.com forward slash creative giant. We'll also link it in the show notes. Until next time, stand tall. We're having some great conversations in the Creative Giant Campfire, our free Facebook group. Search for Creative Giant Campfire in Facebook to join us there. It's where we're grabbing these suggestions, but we're also sharing prompts, micro-posts, and other content that helps us stand tall together. And if you're digging the Creative Giant Show, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. If you're not familiar with how to do this, there's a walkthrough available on the podcast page on ProductiveFlourishing.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.